I'm Erica Lynn, and we all know the ocean is the most demanding environment on Earth, consistently testing the reliability and durability of our equipment. When you spend as much time fishing as I do, you know that reliable gear is essential for staying on the water. This is why I went with Abyss Battery to power my trolling motor, electronics, and outboard. The guys at Abyss Battery are rattling the saltwater industry by manufacturing performance marine batteries specifically designed for sonar, outboards, trolling motors, and electronic fishing reels. They're also Bluetooth compatible, so I found Checking battery statuses right on your phone while you're out on the water is a huge game changer. To learn more about why Abyss batteries are used by the pros and factory installed by Premier Boat Builders, visit AbyssBattery.com. After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, if we've learned anything, it's that there's always a catch. So when I heard that Mint Mobile wireless plans are $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan, I thought, What's the catch? But after talking to them, it all made sense. There isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they sell wireless service online. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly to you. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash waypoint. That's mintmobile.com slash waypoint. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash waypoint. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. <laughs> oh, here we go, boys. Go. that sound this is a good one Tony how's it going what's up dude well got back ice fishing not too long ago so I guess oh. things are pretty good <laughs> uh, yeah and how give us a little quick report um, I was out fishing for drum, and I checked out a few new lakes and marked some fish, but I uh, didn't catch any until towards the end of the day. But, but you still got, nice to get out. Yeah, I've I never caught a drum through the ice, and I want to so bad. And for some reason, <laughs> I'm seeing other people fish for them this year. Yeah. I Well, so last year, so I haven't been in southern Minnesota terribly long, and I don't up until, like, two years ago i didn't know much about southern minnesota and and like the cannon river lake like that cannon river flows kind of uh south of Faribault and in that area in Faribault and uh even farther north and there's just so many drum in some of those systems and i mean i caught him in the summer last couple of years chasing pike and bass and even bluegills but i really noticed this year that the uh the upl those guys are really finding them yeah, they, so were, then, they were crushing them. It was crazy. Yeah, yeah. And so then I was just kind of like, huh, well, if they can do it, I can do it. And so then I just kind of started doing it. <laughs> that's, 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 it's so nuts. So I mean, I'm, we're recording already. I just, I yeah, just hit record. Um, <laughs> so, um, talking to Tony Long, who I just met at the down near Fairball, we were down there at the uh, Feature Anglers of Minnesota event. And I, I don't even know how it, I don't know how the subject came up, but we started talking about, you know, other fish. I think it might've been my rock bass excursion. I'm not sure. And Probably. Then, yeah. And then from there, it just was like, 
you know, you're like, oh, dude, I love catching rock bass. I was like, hell yeah, dude. Like, that's like, you're in the club. <laughs> you don't, if, if I mention rock bass and you're going to go, oh, I hate them wormy things, then, then you're cool. <laughs> Absolutely. Have you, uh, have you eaten a sheephead yet? Yes, actually. So I've actually, I mean, I fished for them uh, for years. I, in 20, I think it was 2016, I, uh, I lived in South Dakota in Fort Pierre, um, and I would fly fish for them pretty frequently. I would sight fish them with my fly rod, um, picking in like riprap and stuff like that. And, uh, I take one home here and there and I mean, they're fantastic. Oh, they're, they're so good. Like uh, long time listeners of this podcast know that I, I pretty much rip on walleyes any chance I get. I think <laughs> fishing for them is stupid, but also I think how excited people get about how they say how good they taste. They don't taste like anything. I, I mean, I, uh, it's a super generic, like flaky fish. There's nothing ex- like exciting about it in my opinion. No. And to be fair, most freshwater fish that way, or at least the game fish are, you know, yep. crappies, perch, bluegills, like pretty much everything. And I would even yep. throw northerns in that category. It's like, are they bad? No, they're just benign. It's just exactly. If you, if you think it's delicious, then you really, really like the breading. Because <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> because if you were to just cook that in like just straight butter with a little bit of salt, you'd be like, "This doesn't really taste like anything." Right? Because it it like again, I'll eat it. I do eat it, and I will even say it's good. But as far as like on yep. a scale, on a like culinary scale, like the flavor is just there. It's a medium for other stuff. That's all it is. Now, it, yeah. When I tried sheephead for the first time, I was like damn, this is really good. Like it, cause, because I didn't bread it. Anytime I try something new, whether it's a fish or wild game, I or even like wild mushrooms, like I just, uh, it's just butter. Butter yep. and like maybe a little bit of salt to kind of bring out, you know, help bring out the flavor or whatever. It's like, I want to know what I'm working with. Is this a flavor that I want to stand alone or is this, do I need to cover this up? <laughs> you know, kind of a thing. It, like Exactly, <laughs> yeah. I'm so a I, huge I'm huge into like I mean you got to try anything once. And yeah. or another twice. thing is uh, yeah, that's true too. And another thing I like to live by is there's no such thing as bad food, only bad chefs. I think that's a fair point. I think there's some um, probably not that favorable uh, mediums that a good chef can really turn around. Exactly. You know? um, and that's and that's the whole point of like the first time I try something is just trying it at a very basic level. I don't want any outside influence. I want to know what that thing tastes like. So yeah. I did that. I did that with the sheephead, and I was like, this is good. It had a sweet, uh, really firm texture. Yeah. like, this is good, man. I mean, yeah. I, yeah. A little bit the of firmness pain I to love. clean. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and there, I would actually put them, so I'll eat like redfish from the ocean, which yep. are also drum. Yeah. Um, and they're, I, I'd almost put those in the category of like walleye. Like, I'm going to say they're good, but. They're not great. I mean, they're just, yeah. again, they're a vehicle for other stuff. The um, The flesh is similar. It has that firmness that freshwater drum has. Red drum have the same thing, but red drum doesn't really have that sweetness. Right. And, yeah, that's, I mean, I'd go out of my way now. I mean, I haven't really done it, but, like, I would definitely, uh, I have thought about it since. I haven't gone through <laughs> with it because I have too many irons in the fire, but I have exactly. thought about it since, like, I kind of want to go out and just catch some sheep and just to eat, <laughs> yeah. you know. And yeah. they are—they are. I will say they are a little bit of a pain in the butt 
to clean. Not terrible, yeah. but it's just yeah. they do have a um, that line of like pretty thick pin bones that you gotta you gotta take out. So it's like one extra step. But again, you know, it's no more of a pain in the ass than taking Y bones out of a northern. In fact, it might That's be exactly easier, right. You know, exactly less right. slime for sure. That is facts. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> but yeah, they'll they they kind of are armor plated though too. They will they will fuck your knife up. Yeah, they are scratchy and yeah, they got some they got some serious stuff and I mean, man, do they fight? They work a panfish rod like nobody's business. Yeah, the one I the one I took home and ate for experiment. I was out fishing for bluegills and uh, I was on West Rush uh, in the summer or in the spring. And yeah, hooked into like a I don't know, 5-6 pounder or whatever it was and holy hell, did that gave me a run. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's exhilarating. Yeah, it was fun. I finally got in. I was like, you know what? I'm taking this thing home. I'm going to try this. I've been talking Absolutely. about it, and now I'm going to do it. <laughs> Heck yeah. Yeah, it's so much fun, dude. I love. I just love the the unsung heroes um, when it comes to, to fishing, you know? I mean, I like yeah. the, I like the sung heroes, too, if that's a, if that's a thing. But right. um, I don't know. They all, have, they all have their time and place. And for me, like, I like catching – everything literally like if there's something i haven't caught i want to catch it like i've never caught a blue sucker that's super high in my list now granted that, yeah. i don't i haven't gone and technically fished for them yet but i would like to right yeah and i mean i know i have several friends who've caught them uh in nebraska actually and i've worked with them in montana um and there's just I, I, it's a similar situation if it swims and i haven't even if i haven't seen it i just want to see it um and then i want to catch it and I like to, for freshwater fish, I think it's kind of fun to keep like a life list, if you will. And uh, I know guys that are super hardcore about it. I'm not as aggressive with it, but I mean, it's fun to just keep that tally and I keep a log. Um, I started I started logging my fishing outings in 2018, I think it was. And uh, I regret not doing it sooner, but man, it's so much fun to just look back on that stuff and the places I've gone, the things I've caught and working like, I typically work fisheries um, seasonal jobs. And so that's kind of taken me all across the Midwest and out to the West coast. So a lot of opportunity has been, has been had. Yeah. I was going to ask your background because you said you had worked with, um, blue suckers before. Yeah. So what was, what, did you go to school for fishery biology or that just, um, take so jobs? I, it's, yeah, it's kind of a, it's kind of funny. I, I mean, I went to school at uh, the U of M in Crookston, started out in biology cause I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And, uh, I got to organic chemistry and I was like, whoa, I need to pump the brakes. This is not, <laughs> this is not what I want to do. <laughs> and so I actually completely switched majors um, and went into natural resources with an emphasis in water resource management. And then I kind of just flexed that into a fisheries, um, fisheries centric um, degree. And so from there, I actually, my first fisheries job was uh, in 2015, working out of Vidette, Minnesota on the Rainy River and on Lake of the Woods. Um, and that really set the tone for, and I'd already already liked the less sought after species, but working with Lake Sturgeon uh, on the Rainy River, going to Red Lake on the North Dakota border, working with channel catfish, um, that kind of stuff, that really just solidified, all right, this is, this is I belong here. And so, and so yeah, so like I worked in South Dakota um, and then with, and then from there, I went to Montana, which is where I worked with blue suckers doing radio telemetry uh, with blue suckers, um, pallet sturgeon, shovel nose sturgeon, um, paddlefish, and uh, that kind of stuff. So that was a lot of just 
spending some days it was like 10 plus hours on the river tracking fish on a boat with two huge antennas um listening for beeps and pinning down fish as far as where they're located and marking those with gps points and a lot of that was pallet sturgeon centric um because in the yellowstone river which is where i worked that is kind of the last and i i say stronghold very loosely um of wild pallet sturgeon so i think when i worked there there was their guess was like roughly two 200 uh wild pallet surgeon remaining in like the wild like a, a total and so and those were some of the biggest pallet surgeon too i mean they were huge and so it was pretty cool to work with those and loose sucker was kind of a cherry on top holding paddlefish i mean we put tags and paddlefish that were 95 plus pounds dang so yeah it was super cool that's that's so dope dude what a what a what a great office oh my god <laughs> Like yeah, it was. I put in a ten hour day today. Like, dude, I'm like going to Valley Fair. Um, yeah, is that what you do for a job now? Are you still working in fisheries? Yeah. So right now, um, I'm trying to wrap up a thesis. Um, I went to school at the University of Nebraska in Kearney, um, and I worked for ma my master's degree. That is, and I worked uh, with muskies in eastern South Dakota. Um, doing acoustic telemetry, so tracking them from the boats, similar to radio telemetry, just a different uh, method of tracking or type of tracking, if you will. Um, but And then that was just looking at habitat movements um, or habitat use over with adult movements, um, looking at juvenile dispersal, survival um, after stocking. And so, yeah, so fisheries is definitely what I've essentially built myself to be my career um and so the winter is typically the off season if you don't have a permanent job so i've been working seasonal jobs since like 2014 2015 um and uh and yeah so hoping to finish up my thesis here relatively soon it's been a bit of a grind due to many issues um like covid for instance and traveling yeah, out of state was, sure. was pretty tough um but yeah so it's uh it's been fun and i mean like i said i've I've lived in had jobs in Minnesota, South Dakota, Nebraska, Montana. I've been out to Washington twice working with Chinook salmon, um, all that kind of stuff. I've seen white sturgeon that are like almost ten foot long uh, underneath the boat. <laughs> Those things are ridiculous. Yeah, freaking yeah. dinosaurs, man. It's huge, and I mean, yeah, working with working and seeing. Let's see, I've worked with three different species of sturgeon, so seeing white sturgeon that being number four was pretty cool um i didn't get to work with them but i saw them so i'll take that as the consolation prize right yeah <laughs> is that all the sturgeon species that we have in north america not counting the because there's a saltwater sturgeon too well, yeah so there's actually there's more um i see off the top of my head i can think of there's green sturgeon um there's gulf sturgeon i think there's atlantic sturgeon um those are just the north american species and i, I feel like i'm missing some but um a lot of those fish are, well, I shouldn't say a lot of them, a lot of the ones that are like in the southeast in the southern part of the United States um, are kind of, they're in peril due to a lot of issues with habitat and um, restrictions and stuff like that. So, yeah. but it's pretty cool, like, like coming back to Lake Sturgeon, I mean, Minnesota is just an impeccable fishery for those fish. I mean, you see guys doing it on the St. Croix through the ice. I've done it plenty of times um, 
in the in the spring on the rainy river it's so cool to have those opportunities available to us yeah i need to i need to get into that so i've caught a couple on the st croix and open water and none, yeah i've never caught a big one and i've caught shovel nose but i've yet yep. to tangle with like a you know a, a north of 60 incher you know kind of oh yeah like a, a yeah. good a good one you know so and i've dude catch one thing those through the ice would just be i can't even imagine dude <laughs> like, yeah it's uh, fun to watch those guys i mean it's really it's really become a thing the past like five years i've actually i've i've done it but i've never caught one and uh i just get so busy spearing in the winter that i don't make the time to do it and i don't live that close anymore and so but one of these days i gotta do it sure where do you where is home base right now uh, so I live uh, kind of near Rochester. Okay. So my wife works down here. So, um, and she also works in the natural resources field. So I'm I'm kind of tied down now. I think my uh, I think my big move seasonal job days might be over. With starting to starting to plant some roots. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, ha- I have so. another project for you, and I can't tell you. Uh, I'll tell you off the air. I don't want to tell. Uh, yeah. Just because it. Uh, yeah, I'll mention it later. Remind me. Um, yeah, it, it's gonna fall into the telemetry thing because I have, I have, I got a hot tip. I'm up here in northern Minnesota. I got a hot tip on a really good trophy fishery for a certain type of fish, but in an area you normally wouldn't think. I hope that's mysterious enough for everybody to be like, "What the fuck is he talking about?" <laughs> um, and I'm gonna leave it at that. Um, yeah, yeah, and then we'll we'll talk when I'm done recording because I have I have some questions, but absolutely. So, what are you? Um, what's your dream job? Like, what are you working towards? Yeah, so I mean, that's a great question, and I sometimes feel like it's always changing. Um, game fish are not my jam. I am through and through like a non-game kind of guy. Um, be it rough fish, be it even down to micros. Like living in Southeast Minnesota the amount of micro fish, if you will, that are around here, like from darters to different types of minnows, shiners, um, base species, all that stuff. That is my favorite kind of stuff. And so I think ideally it'd be cool to have a non-game fisheries biologist job. But if I'm going to stay in Minnesota, I'm not sure that's going to happen. Could you just, cause that's not where the money is Sure. Um, in terms of federal and, and state funds. So I'd probably just settle with a uh, just a fishery specialist job, even in the state, because I can I can always do that kind of fun stuff as a hobby, which I've been doing since I was a kid. So right, well, I mean, find some recovery. There's got to be some uh, endangered dace that needs uh, some attention <laughs> in, in a you know a specific area of the state. You know, maybe the driftless area down there by Whitewater, maybe that. You know, I mean, there's got to be something. That needs some studying. Yeah, there's always potential. I mean, there's a lot of species of concern down here and things that uh, you don't hear about a lot. So so another uh, another thing where we have something in common, I noticed on your Facebook page, you got an aquarium. You got like some cichlids <laughs> in there. So I was, I was always big into aquariums. I don't have any at the moment, but um, I... Dude, I'm so into that. You know, worked <laughs> at a pet store and all that stuff. So oh, where, cool. did you have that interest before you got into micro fishing or was it the other way around no i did so actually my dad is pretty similar in terms of well so i should start i should back up so when i was a kid he worked at a greenhouse and so when uh when they would get shipments of plants in from florida i mean you get things like different types of tree frogs you get anoles you get snakes that came in on those obviously those animals aren't gonna thrive in minnesota climate 
And so he would bring them home. And so, I mean, growing up, always had aquariums, used to breed cichlids, um, had all kinds of different reptiles. Um, I used to breed crested geckos. Um, I'd go into the local the local fish store and either trade stuff or find something new. And so, and then too, along with that, native keeping native fish has always been a big passion of mine because it's it's cool. I mean, that's not something people do a lot. It's it's kind of gaining popularity, but I mean, fish like orange spotted sunfish, rainbow darters, um, fairly common stuff if you know where to look have just as much color as saltwater fish. So it's pretty crazy. Like you go into, you know, a pet store and you look at all these tropical Amazon fish or Asian, you know, fish, tetras or what have you. And uh, yeah, they're all pretty crazy ornate and they got stripes and spots and bright colors. And a lot of our mineral species have that same thing. You know, yep. some of it is commonality. Although I think a lot of people don't realize what's yeah. swimming. Um, you know, there is a, if you put out a minnow trap just on like a river or something, you'd be surprised at the variety of stuff that, that comes up. And I haven't gone fully deep down that rabbit hole yet. I haven't taken up the micro fishing, but, um, you know, we used to have a cabin on the crow, crowing river. Yeah. Crowing. And I remember I was just, I like to just snorkel. Cause I like, I love aquatic stuff. Like all those nature shows, anything that has to do with underwater, I'm in. <laughs> like I, eat, oh, yeah. I eat that stuff up. So anyways, I just put on like some goggles and I was just like snorkeling along the, the river there, right by, by the cabin. And I was seeing all these different kind of minnows that I just never knew existed, different shapes and sizes and like striped ones. And I was like, what is all this stuff? Like, this is crazy. There's a whole yeah. different universe of, of life down here that I had no idea existed. Like those would be so cool to have in an aquarium. Like, I mean, it's, yeah, it's, I'm glad you brought up snorkeling. That's something else that I like to do. And uh, there's a spot like less than 10 minutes from my house. And I've snorkeled it quite a few times now. And I've counted up to 16 species of fish that I've identified just by snorkeling or just sitting there and watching. And it, I mean, it's just, it's insane. I, I think, so right now I'm up to 11 aquariums in my dining room, much to uh, my wife's, <laughs> my wife's dismay. <laughs> She, it's it is incredible what she puts up with. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. But uh, yeah, so I think of those eleven aquariums, um, at least half of them, if not more than half, are native fish. Oh, and cool. so, and I've been I've tried breeding native fish like central mud minnows, for instance. I've had them spawn for me, um, or spotted sunfish. I've watched them build nests just like a bluegill would in my aquarium. Oh, cool. I've, had them lay eggs um they're notoriously difficult to rear the fry and so i haven't quite made it to that step yet but yeah i mean it's it's awesome it's so much fun to where watch. did you find the orange spotted sunfish i've never seen one of those in real life they're very small they are so they i mean a big orange spot is like five four or five inches i think mine are like three and a half four inches um and so i collected in nebraska um is where mine came from and I've had them since then. And so I think I've had them for three years now. And uh, there's so into that like native fish stuff, every state has different rules and regulations. So obviously you have to follow whatever your right, 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 regulations right, right, right. are. But like, so there's a group called NANFA, which is the North American Native Fishes Association. And so they have a convention every year. And last year it started, I believe it started in Minnesota. And last year was their 50th year, which so they had it back in Winona, um, Minnesota. And so guys are coming from all over the country to collect 
different types of native fish within the respective guidelines to bring back. And a lot of these guys will breed them in their own aquariums, home aquariums, um, and stuff like that. So it, it's just, it's so much fun. I'm going out to South Carolina here in less than two weeks for the NANFA convention out there. And I mean, I got two guys meeting at my house. We're meeting another guy in Illinois and then we're just driving out there and the one guy has a huge fish tank uh, or a huge fish room rather in Illinois. And it's his whole basement. It's just, it's all almost all native fish. It's so cool. That's so awesome. So, uh, Oh God, that is so cool. Where in South Carolina. Uh, so I think the it's, it's, uh, um, what's the town Columbia, I believe. Columbia, is where it, okay. Yeah. So that's yep. kind of where the center is. So we'll have talks. Um, and then, it's mostly geared towards field trips. Oh, so, that's super dope. Yeah. So like they're having a demonstration. The this I believe it might be even the state is putting on a demonstration to show you some of the species that are um, in the reservoir nearby. Like it's a riverine system. Mm -hmm. And then they give you a list of like different areas and it's like, all right, so this area is blah, blah, blah. And then here's the, a generic list of the species you can find in this area. So and are then, you doing, are you saning? Are you dip netting? Are you snorkeling? Like, are you everything i mean God. we one guy's got a saying we all got dip nets um i'm bringing micro gear so some of the other guys and so my biggest issue is all right do i want to micro fish more or do i just want to see fish and like just saying and so usually i just end up saying more than i end up micro fishing um just because it's just so cool to see and we're getting into that time of year where fish are really fired up so a lot of these smaller fish are just they got their Sunday best on. They're just looking incredible, like right. little highlighters swimming around. So I'm just stoked. Well, even like some of those sucker species, right? Even even down to yeah. um, like creek chubs. Those yeah. those bumps they get in their head, like their heads yeah. turn black. They 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 get bumps on their head. Those things yep. are so cool. They always remind me of that dinosaur that has the big bumpy head every time <laughs> I saw them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Those uh, the tubercles is what they're called. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's just. I mean, it's. They look so gnarly. I love it, man. Yeah, they're so, they're so cool. So the micro fishing, like what are you using little like palm rods and like? Yeah, so it kind of depends. So like, for instance, if I'm fishing for sculpin, I'll use a shorter rod just because I'm fishing at night. And so it's a little easier to, um, and it's usually in heavier flow. And so it's easier to maintain stuff. Um, but I have a, a 10 foot collapsing rod. I think it's like a, just a generic crappie rod, actually, that I got off of Amazon that a different guy recommended to me who's who's been in the game way longer than I have been. And uh, so I'll bring both those. And usually, like, hooks, they used to be imported from Japan. And uh, um, I guess it seems like it's been harder to find those certain hooks now that they call them Tanago hooks. And so a different guy, I think he, he got together with a different, another guy, and so they started making their own hooks called the Aldridge Number 1s, which Tim Aldridge is the guy's name. And, uh, so they've been making those hooks and, uh, I mean, that's as far as micro hooks, like there's not a whole lot out there. Other guys are using like the tiniest fly tying hooks they can find. Yeah, which is like what a 32, like a number 32. Uh, yeah, 30, 32. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I mean, it's a lot of, uh, majority of it is sight fishing from uh, what, with what I've done. And, uh, sometimes if you do it at night, like last year, last summer I was in Idaho and, uh, we were our main goal was fishing for or fly fishing for bull trout. Didn't go that well. Um, and <laughs> it goes uh, from goes from bull trout <laughs> to micro fishing. That's exactly right, man. We <laughs> we turned we the micro fishing was kind of a side side thing to begin with, so we had plans on that. But 
it really went full tilt after we found out that the bull trout wasn't going to work out. And so, I mean, I think I, we fished, I left Idaho with like 10, 10 new species. Um, and I mean, these wild kinds of dace and like some sucker species, a fish called a chisel mouth, pike minnows. Um, it, I mean, sculpin, it was just wild. That's so cool, dude. Yeah, it's fun. I mean, you get a lot of wild looks too. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it, it, you get a lot of strange looks, but like it, people listening to this, you're your stereotypical like walleye bass, crappie angler, whatever. It's like there's a whole other world out there, and it's not like yeah. a, like you should go do it. But as as far as like, oh, that's so weird, and like, yeah, but that's kind of what makes it fun. I mean, it's exactly. like variety is the spice of life. Like you're getting <laughs> you're getting to hold something in your hand. You know, it's not necessarily about the fight, right? Because it's right, you know, whatever. There, it's a minnow, but it's like. At that moment, you've done something that hardly anybody has done, and you're looking at something that hardly anybody's seen up close. And like we've already yeah. stated, some of these fish are very cool looking. I mean, don't when you say minnow, most people probably just think fathead, right? Which, yep. Yeah, they're yep. they're pretty boring. But if you spend the extra bucks and and do the eight dollars a dozen for a, a scoop of rainbows, right? Rainbow dace when those things are fired up for their spawning, that that red that they have can get pretty bright or yeah, they have reds and yellow on them actually. And those things are super cool looking. It's yeah. I actually, when I was ice fishing today, I got a scoop of crappie minnows and I'm, I've been doing this since I was young. First thing I do when I get in the car, I look at all the minnows and I quick see if there's anything different that I recognize. (laughs) I just, I can't help myself. I have to see. Yeah. No, I've, as a kid, I've had aquariums filled with, you know, just random stuff that, you know, yeah, minnows you get in a minnow trap or whatever and i've learned that sticklebacks are assholes they are not nice i actually have three of them in the tank right now (laughs) they are aggressive (laughs) as shit yeah they are not nice no i mean they i have the ones i have right now actually i'm trying to get them probably got maybe maybe like a month or so until they might start but i want to see them they build nests Mm -hmm. and it's so it's i've seen videos of it and i did it once when i was a kid but I want to see it again, and they'll like pluck pieces of moss and build this little nest, and then they'll lay their eggs, and they it's the burrow under wild. stuff too. Like they'll pick, yeah. pick rocks and they'll move yep. sand and get underneath stuff, and they're super yep. fun to watch because they swim backwards. Yeah, they like, do. And they, they're they're they like the underwater. And... Yeah, they're like the underwater hummingbird. Like they move yeah. in all they yeah. move in all directions. Like yeah, they're yeah, but they are cool. not nice. <laughs> oh, they're super aggressive. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I had. I mean, how would I know? Right, as a kid, I don't plucked them in there and yeah that thing was yeah. just like chasing after everything else fins are all ripped up on like the fathead minnows i had in there i'm like damn this dude's i think the one i had i think he killed everything that was in the tank with i believe him. it i was like i need to get rid of this dude this is a straight up asshole <laughs> yeah i believe it yeah it's and they'll turn jet black and they'll get kind of like a reddish eye too during spawning it's just phenomenal yeah there's it's a whole i got a lot to learn that's that's my thing is i just love like when i discover something new Right. I mean, I'm just yeah. a dork for all that stuff. I was just on the phone with my buddy, David, uh, go paycheck. Um, people know him. Yeah. He's been on the podcast. He's down in Florida, guiding bass, just absolutely crushing it. But he had posted a picture of a dogfish and the spot on the tail was, you know, I would say a little more pronounced than a, a normal dogfish. And I don't 
apparently he'd never really noticed that before. He's like, what the heck is this? It's like a dogfish mixed with the peacock bass. I'm like, I go, no, bro, that's just a dogfish. They all have it. And he's like, really? Some guy was telling me it's a snakehead. I'm like, not a snakehead. That's 100% not a snakehead. So it's just a dogfish. I sent him like a picture of a dogfish, like out of like an encyclopedia. It was more like a drawing that had everything on there. He's like, oh, dude, you're right. And he was just like, how do you know all this shit? And I'm just like, because this is what I've been doing since before I could actually read the words in an animal book, <laughs> I my nose was deep in it. Like I just, yep. and it doesn't stop with fish. Like it's bugs and reptiles. I mean, that's another thing oh, yeah. you and I have in common. I was all the way into herptology at oh, one yeah. point in time. I don't own any critters at the moment, but you know, I've had bearded dragons, I've had anoles, I've had leopard geckos, I had a desert yep. iguana, uh, chameleons. You know, I ran the gamut. Uh, yeah, never really had snakes because my mom was not. Well, I used to catch wild snakes. I've, I had garters a few times, but she was not a fan. And then uh, yeah. the ladies that I live with are also like no snakes in the house. That's where I draw the line. So <laughs> <laughs> it's like haven't haven't been able to do that. But um, I don't. I just collect this information. So when I find a new rabbit hole to go down, like this this minnow stuff, and I'm sure after our conversation, I'm gonna start <laughs> Google searching and learning you know because i have a visual um kind of a running tally of like the things that i saw when i was snorkeling with and i think i did yeah. look them up at one point in time but um because what's what i found was fascinating is there's some of these small is it i don't know if it's daces you can probably help me out with this but some of those are in like the perch family so they're oh, actually yeah, darters. They're minnow, darters there it is yeah like johnny darters are walleyes yep. because yep. they're because in the same they're, family because they're all perch perch a day yep. or whatever the hell it's called yeah yeah how cool yep. is that like it, it's amazing <laughs> and we have so many darters in minnesota well i say so many when you compare it to southeast we don't have anything but i mean we have a decent amount and we have some absolutely gorgeous ones like rainbow darters for instance mm-hmm. and so i have a bunch of those in a tank right now too and they're starting to get color my my native tanks are unheated and so when the temperatures slowly start creeping up these fish just i mean they become electric like i was saying earlier yeah that's cool but, yeah, it's it's funny. Like a buddy of mine, do once some said, like if you catch them in creeks, do some of them prefer, or do they do they require any sort of current? Like you put like a yeah, like a power so, head in there to give them some current. Yeah, yeah. So a lot of darters typically like heavier oxygenated water, and they typically like it on the cooler side too. But I mean, even within darters, so like fantail darters, for instance, in Minnesota, like more of a rocky, um, like a larger rock substrate. But like when you look at Iowa darters, they're often more in like a stagnant system stagnant being that's kind of loose like more of like a lake type system and so they don't like as much flow and they like more vegetation so it's i mean every fish like has its little spot and like my one tank has the darter i got rainbow darters i got fantail darters southern red belly dace and i think there's a johnny darter in there too and i mean there's some pretty good flow going on in there and they they love it. I just pulled up a picture because I had to. Dude, those things are so cool looking. Yeah. Oh my god. They, like walleyes are the walleyes have to be the most boring in the family. Yeah. Honestly. Like, yeah, I would agree. They have the least amount of color. Like even a right. sauger. A sauger has more character than a walleye does. Oh, for sure. Yeah, that's yeah. It's guess, such a yeah. Well, Xander's probably are the most boring. They even they, yeah. they have even less than walleyes do, but yeah. Uh, yeah, that, that is just super cool. You know, I've had this dream someday I'll do it, you know, um, I, I'm unattached at the moment. So I get the house set up the way I want it. 
Yeah. I, I don't have I don't I don't have a a wife that can tell me no. <laughs> <laughs> I want to take basically a wall in in my house somewhere and make like a tiered like link just a bunch of I basically have to build it myself with acrylic or just link a bunch of different aquariums together in kind of a tiered section that goes along the whole wall. Yeah. Like different elevations. Cause I'd like one part to be like completely terrestrial, no water at all, or maybe a, a Creek, you know, and make some little right. waterfalls that dump into the next thing and, you know, and have like chameleons in there and just like the whole ecosystem, you know, put yeah. some newts and maybe some fiddler crabs. And then, you know what I mean? And then, you know, down yeah. the bottom, it's just nothing but aquatic and just have some different fish in there. So this whole thing is just like a flowing stream that you can watch and, live plants growing in there and it would be so cool but also so much work <laughs> it would be that would be incredible yeah i i uh i used to have a lot of well, i used to not even do live plants in my aquariums and then once COVID hit i was like yeah i got the time to do it. i'm gonna start doing it and now man all of my tanks are planted i got plants and everything there's no more like plastic or silk plants and it's just yeah like it you takes, were saying it takes some doing though i mean that, it does like, you 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 would think it'd be easy. Oh, I'll just throw some plants down and they'll grow. No. <laughs> right. That is, right. That is not the case. Because I, I went down the same thing. I did planted uh, tanks, and I dude, I had a hell of a time keeping those things alive. Like, it's just not that easy. It's, yeah, it's it's a lot easier now than it used to be. But it's still, I mean, you kind of got to pay attention a little bit. And you, I mean, you got to monitor things, and lighting is important, and the bio load and all, I mean, yeah, the that's bio a whole other thing. It's like, you can't just load up a shit ton of fish in there. It's like, right. The, yeah. The, right. Fish to, the fish to plant ratio is actually pretty low. You know, it's like, it's, it's weird. It's yeah. a whole, yeah. Yeah. It's a whole thing. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. So much fun. The other thing we talked about too, which I need to hold you to this. We're going to have to plan. This is like, um, the, um, grayling. Yes. Dude. That, again, chalk that up to something that I've ha- talked about pretty much my entire life, especially when I realized that they were in the lower 48. I was like, wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> They're transplanted or stocked, and I was like, dude, that's awesome. You don't have to travel to Alaska to catch a grayling. I'm in. And of yeah. Course, I never actually did it, but. Yeah, well, I mean, there is a few, like, so they, they used to be native to Michigan, actually, parts of Michigan and parts of uh, Montana, and there there might still be some relic populations in Montana, I believe. But yeah, I mean, when I first found out they were in the Bighorns in Wyoming, I uh, I was like, wow, I got to do that. And then I moved to Montana, and then I was like, you know, I'm not terribly far away from that. And so I made it happen, and somehow my wife was willing to come with the first time. And <laughs> I did not have the as much information as I do now. And so I... Uh, it definitely tested the relationship at that point. However, I will say when we got there, there was a cow moose, uh, two cow moose and a, a calf. And I, I sometimes like to think that that potentially saved my, my relationship. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Yeah, like how, but, like these aren't, you can't just drive to these areas, right? These are like oh, pretty no. remote. Well, I should say you can drive to the trailhead. And then from there, it's like, I mean, we hiked, I think, oh man. I want to say it was like 10 miles, I think, that day. Oh, so you're not doing this in one day. like We did it We did it in one day with my wife. But so it's 10 I'm, miles one way? 
Like total, like total, like oh, in one so day. five miles there, five miles back. Okay, yeah, roughly. even that that that's a that's a full day. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, there's elevation. I think the highest point is like ninety five hundred feet, maybe a little more. And so it's not. I mean, it's not. It's not horribly hard, but it's definitely not something to take lightly. At the same time, because I mean, do it's, you run, how many people are doing this? Do you run into people? So that day. We did. Uh, I mean, it's close enough to, I want to say the town is Buffalo, Wyoming, maybe. Um, and there's enough people that, I mean, yeah, you run into a few people, but when I was up there with uh, my wife, so there's like the main lake and then there's a lake above it a little bit. And so when I was there with my wife, we didn't see a ton of people. Um, in fact, we met some people horseback riding mm. and they're like, oh, you're going clear up to there? Like, Good luck. I'm like, oh man, that does not make me feel any better about this. <laughs> I was just gonna say, horses might be the ticket. Yeah, um, no might, kidding. That they might made it be the easy. move. Yeah, I, yeah, but I mean, I stopped at the fly shop and uh, um, they told me what to do, and I was like, okay. And so I went up there, and sure enough, we, I mean, we we caught a lot of grayling. We caught. I think that day we caught when it was my wife and I. We easily caught more than fifteen, twenty. Does she fly fish too? She likes to. She does it. Okay. I sometimes think she's a better caster than I am because I get really impatient really fast with fly fishing. <laughs> <laughs> so. I like it. I like it too. I haven't done it in a long time. Well, that's not true. I did it this past fall. I had a, a client trip on the St. Croix for bass, and I and he fly fish. I said, well, bring them because they're up shallow. Yeah. And, uh, just fishing wasn't that great that day. We only caught a couple fish on terminal tackle, but um, we did throw – flies for a little bit where he was throwing flies i was like hey uh, can i see one of those it's been i don't even know the last time like 15 20 years since i picked up a fly rod i have no idea it's been a long time and he's like yeah for sure so i picked it up and man i gotta say it it, apparently it's like riding a bike because yeah i just i picked up right where i left off i mean yeah to the point that i kind of i kind of shocked uh slash impressed my client he's like you cast pretty good i was like um, nobody's more surprised than I am, buddy. Like, <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I was like, holy crap, this is this is a lot of fun. And I'm like, God dang it, do I gotta go get new fly fishing equipment now? They don't just give that shit away. <laughs> no, it's uh luckily I'm not super into it. I'm enough into it where I got the gear to go and do it at a pretty basic level. And I mean to do I guess western trips for the most part, but I I recently did a fly tying class thing at a brewery, and it was really fun. But fly tying is not my jam. Yeah, I, I man, we are so similar in so many ways. I dip, <laughs> I dip my toes in that thing too. I bought a bench, and you know, just a cheap one, and I tried a couple fancier stuff that just they turned out absolute like dog shit. And then I learned how easy a woolly bugger is to tie, and then how effective a woolly bugger is on everything <laughs> yeah. that swims. And I'm like, well, there's zero reason for me to tie any other fly. Exactly right. I pretty much lost interest in all of it at that point. And that's kind of where I'm at with fly fishing even. It's fun, but at the end of the day, uh, I'm just going to grab my spinning gear. Like, I mean, it's fun to do, but I I get burnt out on it right away. I'm like, okay, I did it. I said I did it. Now let me go to the easy, easier path here. (laughs) I mean, it's just more, I can say easier, but it's just more effective. I mean, bottom line, you know, I remember kid growing up and you know trout fishing i thought trout were these like super wary fish that you could only get on a fly like you had to use a fly rod because it's the only thing they would fall for like you had to be super realistic and super quiet and this and then i found out 
<laughs> that they pretty much will attack anything that flashes. And if you really want to catch fish, just throw on a worm like a five-year-old oh, and you'll yeah. crush them. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, so they're not hard to catch at all. You just yeah. like to make it difficult. Got it. <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely have to stop myself sometimes and I'm like, okay. I'm making this harder than it needs to be. And I mean, even like we went to Wyoming or Idaho, we brought worms with. We're not going all the way out there to not catch anything. Like, yeah, you're going to live and die by the fly rod. Like, uh, yeah, that. exactly. <laughs> yeah, we're packing. I mean, I have a compact spinning rod that when we went to Wyoming, I brought it with. And I mean, we hiked 45 miles in five days. And we had like forty-five pound packs, I think it was too. Wow! And I was like, "Yeah, I'm bringing my, uh, I'm bringing the fly rod because it's fun, but I'm very much bringing conventional gear too." <laughs> <laughs> Heck yeah, dude! You know what would be super fun is to actually like plan like a camping trip. You know, hike yeah. in there and and spend a couple of days. You know, give yourself yeah. a couple of days of rest to just catch some fish and you know have a couple of grailing meals and. Yeah. Explore the mountainside and then head back down. That'd be That's exactly right. I mean, that's what God, we did in so Wyoming. Fun. Yeah, oh, it was okay. fantastic. We uh we backpacked in and I mean we were eight miles back in the backcountry and I mean we're just hanging out and we uh we had the one night it's like I don't even know what time it was, but I just hear this like it literally was like a screaming sound. And I was like, What is that noise? I mean, there's we're in the middle of nowhere. And the other guys here too. And we wake up, and there's an elk in the meadow that we're sleeping in, oh. and it's just bellering. And so you're there in the fall. We were. At, that was actually summer. Late, that was like, late summer, early fall, maybe like August. I, th- I think it was July. Actually. Really? That early? It was a cow. He's... It was a cow elk. Yeah. Oh, it was a cow. It was, oh, okay. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't bugling. I actually. Well, I mean, I fly fished in the Black Hills too, and I had a buddy of mine. He's like, "You got to make sure you go just before hunting season." And I was like, okay. And so I went out there and I snuck up on a bunch of bulls bugling. And that is the most insane, like, thing I've ever witnessed. Like, yeah, it was a- yeah. I mean, it It seems like it just from the videos I've watched. I've never experienced it in person. But I can only imagine how, like, in person how that sound has just got to, like, in a cool way, make the, the hairs on your arm, like, stand up. Oh, just like, yeah. yeah. It's just... <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I like. Well, even the cows, my- they do that yeah yeah kind of a sound yeah yeah it was crazy i'm like looking for the like i felt like i was in national geographic like i can (laughs) see the breath it was cold so they can see the breath coming out as it's like screaming it's bugling or whatever you could hear david attenborough narrating your story yeah i can yep yep i can (laughs) see him the wary travelers (laughs) stop for a meal and out in the mist a giant forest horse (laughs) (laughs) exactly right yeah I got to work yeah. at my David Attenborough. It, it's it's need, getting there. Yeah, it needs a little work. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard worse, and that yeah. makes you feel any better. Kind of, kind of kind of morphs into somebody I don't even know who. It st- stops being like starts out David, and then I don't even I don't know what it morphs into. But it, the more I talk, the more it does not sound like him. <laughs> I'll work on it. No, I won't. <laughs> Oh man, that sounds like so much fun, and I've actually just been longing to get to the mountains. It's been. Well, I guess it has been that long. I was in Idaho, um, went up into, what is it, the Sawtooth? Yeah, Sawtooth, oh, yeah. I believe. Um, yep. We just drove through them. Like, we didn't hike or didn't do anything yeah. like that. But just uh, being it, just even driving through them is, is amazing. Like, it, it's amazing. Yeah. Somebody, I mean, from, the, no somebody from the Midwest, and you get out to that topography, it's just so alien and so awe-inspiring. You're just like, damn. 
I mean, <laughs> it, it leaves an impression. Like I definitely want to go back for yeah. sure. It, I, I mean, that's why I've gone to other than it's a lot of fun working that job. That's why I've been to Washington twice. I got a buddy who lives out there and I got several buddies actually that live out there. And I mean, yeah, just hanging out in the mountains, checking things out, like being out in the Pacific Northwest is super cool. Yeah, that's I, yeah. So we spent some time in Oregon, same thing, and just clipped yep. Washington. Didn't really spend too much time in Washington, but yeah, yeah. So I got I got a lot more exploring to do in me for sure, and I got to get her done because I ain't getting any younger. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but the the other place I want to go bad is like New Mexico to yep. go like backcountry to like really. Again, New Mexico is one of those states I've only ever really driven through. Uh, I've never spent any quality time there. And uh, the land of enchantment, as it's called, it does, the pictures just look amazing. Oh, yeah. I can only imagine some of the stuff that swims in those remote streams, you know? Oh, no doubt. I mean, there's Apache trout, there's Gila trout, there's really cool um, native species down there that, don't exist anywhere else. So that are just... there's some like uh, endangered sucker species down there. Like, is it yeah? The, is it the Apache? Su- no. What is the it Razorback? Called? Might be. There's Razorback suckers that are pretty in peril. I mean, in that Colorado River system, there's a lot of stuff that's in peril. Yeah. Is that the one with the big hump on its head? Yeah. Basically? Okay, that's one. That's not the one I'm thinking of. I saw somebody recently. Just uh, they caught one. They showed a picture of it. And it's like it's bicolor. Like it's really cool. It's like the top is. Uh, like this rusty brown. It was a bottoms. sucker. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Uh, let's see. There's Sonoran suckers out there. That might have been it. Um, uh, there's more that I can't think I'll of. Flannel mouth. I'm gonna look that up right. Yeah. Here. Rat. Nah. So that I think that's. I think you're right on the money there. So. Oh great! Now I gotta print spell that. Sonoran. I think I got it right. Sucker. Boom. Let's see. Give me images. Uh, yeah, there's yes, a lot of cool that's stuff. That's it. That's it yeah. right there. Yeah, so they're brown. So like their their top is like brown and then their belly is like this golden orange <laughs> yeah. color. Like they're so cool. Yeah. There's that oh, man. Add that to the list, dude. I want to catch one of those up. bad. Yeah. Oh, that is there, so wicked. Yeah, that's I mean, this like half the like keeping a lifeless, for instance, like I think I think I'm at 119 freshwater species. I'd, have to, I'd and... have to really go through it. Like I had this conversation with another guy I had in the podcast. He's another like rough fish aficionado. Yeah. And um, you know, and we're just going through the different species of red horse we have just in the state. You know, it's like oh, yeah. I go, man, I don't know how many I've caught because I honestly never really looked into it. A red horse was a red horse to me. Greater, lesser, it didn't matter. And it's like, so when I was making my list, I had quite a few, you know, my list I think is probably more extensive than most people's, but right. I definitely have gaps and I feel like I need to start over with the red horse species for sure. Now that I can at least I have a cheat sheet that can tell me how to identify them, you know? Yeah. Yeah. There's, um, I think it's called moxastoma.com, which is the genius of red horse it has a fantastic, little cheat sheet that i actually keep in my wallet um but yeah there's like five or six species of red horse in minnesota and this summer i have plans to catch either a finish them out or catch the at least one more that i haven't caught just because it gets me out to new places and i see fish that i haven't seen before yeah for sure i'm gonna have to i'm gonna have to hook you up with uh my buddy patrick olson 
the Lone Angler podcast. This, yeah, this conversation's right up his alley. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I love his stuff. He's he seems like a cool guy as far as what he what he targets. That's awesome. Yeah, he's super cool and he's super passionate about the these other fish too. And that's kind of he yeah. has that card you're talking about. I'm he's a card literally a card carrying member. Yeah, of the different kinds of of suckers that used to be a rite of passage for me. Like uh, when they were start running, that was like some of the first open water fishing I would do. Is you get that first really warm yep. spring day, like the first time it touches seventy, you know? Yep. Grab a box of worms and just head down to the river and catch suckers, dude. It's so much fun. It's fantastic. And like uh roughfish dot com, um, the the guys there, Drew and Corey Geving, I mean, I've met them several times in person and just having conversations with them and um fishing with them, it's just it's so awesome to meet like minded people like that and those red horse runs and the sucker runs like i did that in college all the time i mean i'd see how many people we could get together and everybody bring a case of beer and we're just living it out on the river catching i mean just tons of suckers yeah that's an untapped resource too so the same thing like going down this little weird culinary adventure that i've been doing lately you know yeah. i know people will back when i did it, i was living in grand rapids and people would go down with five gallon buckets and they were keeping these uh red horse they were smoking them and I've had oh, it. It's, yeah. it's good smoked, but I bet there's a way you can make it baked or fried or fish balls or something. So I'm going to – maybe this year I'll get out there and, and keep one or two and just experiment with it. Yeah. I mean, I, uh, I've i never personally had it, but I've had fish done similar way where guys grind it mm-hmm. and make uh, essentially like – they call them sucker balls. They sucker, deep balls fry them. sucker balls. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, I've heard that too. <laughs> yeah. They're probably great. They're fan- I mean, I've had drum done that way by the – the Geving brothers, and I mean, it was fantastic. People were fighting over it. I can, I definitely believe that. But also, when it comes to drum, I feel like you're kind of doing that fish a disservice. I, yeah, I, I like. I really, I hold that meat in high enough esteem. Like, I think that yeah. just needs to like stand on its own. Like, I think yeah. you could do some really good chefy stuff with with freshwater drum um, without overpowering it. Just like different, right. you know, cedar planket or you know, blackened or just you know, really an actual chef like i can yeah. cook pretty good but not chef level good yeah you know, like somebody who's a really good seafood chef i would love to see what they would do with oh yeah a freshwater drum i bet i bet they would love it because that that sweetness is just it's not it's kind of it's unique it's it's very good people have to stop eating with their eyes you know yeah. like yeah that is a huge issue i mean yeah they're ugly a freshwater drum is, is not there's really nothing going for it like it's, they don't have any marks, you know. There's no, there's, there's absolutely no more, no spots, no stripes, no nothing. They got a unique right. body shape, and then they yeah. have a shiny otolith in their head, and that's it. They you do know? have some big otoliths, yeah. <laughs> that's and that's it. Uh, have you ever taken those out? I actually, yeah, I actually have a pair on my desk right now. <laughs> <laughs> really? I've never yeah. done it. I've never actually it's, done it. It's wild. I actually, I took a picture last because I cleaned one this weekend that I kept. And I also have Chinook salmon otoliths from when I was working out west. And I took a picture of the comparison. And I mean, it is, it's just astronomically different. Oh, yeah. The, guys. They, they're, I just saw a recent picture. Did you post it? Because I saw a recent picture. I think I commented, I replied to a comment on uh, maybe Facebook. That's, maybe like that's that. how yeah. it came across my, yeah. my feed because it was like yeah. they're totally different kind of shape and definitely size oh yeah they look like hail yeah. like they're huge mm-hmm. i didn't even know salmon had all this like not yeah. every not every fish has them right uh i 
I believe every fish does have them. So oh, it's, it's actually just a their size thing. Okay. Yeah, it's just a size thing. So like, otoliths are typically used as aging structures in fish. That and, I didn't uh, know. Yeah, and so some of the jobs I've worked, they actually utilize microchemistry, and they can pinpoint via the otoliths where um, a fish was stocked. Oh, and wow. so they'll use that to trace origins back. And so they have to like, they do as I am not well hearsed in it, but they do something to mark the otoliths and then we collect the otoliths and then they send them to a lab where we look at them ourselves and you can determine, okay, this fish was stocked here kind hmm. of thing. So they're pretty interesting. Yeah, yeah. That is, that's pretty wild. It's crazy. I mean, yeah. Hmm. I know I, back in high school, I, I'm, there was a, I ran into some people that were fishing down on the river and they were keeping them and they were keeping them just for that. They make jewelry out of it, apparently. I've heard of that. I've never actually seen any in real life. But yeah, I've me either. I haven't seen that. them like shined up or like in that picture that I just saw, that kind of came to mind. I'm like, well, they're not that pretty. You know, I thought maybe what do they look like opals or something, but like don't yeah. really. So I'm like, no, they're kind of a weird shape and color. Yeah, I'm like, who the hell's making? Who wants to wear this shit? Like, this yeah. doesn't look like much anything. Uh, yeah, like I said, I, it looks like a hailstone. Is what it looks yeah, like. Yeah, it's this is exactly what it looks like. Yeah, little irregular. You know, they're not like not. It's not. They're not like a pearl. They're not perfectly round. No. Yeah, that's. I don't know. That's pretty wild. So yeah, some of the things that I have yet to catch, I've never caught a moon eye. I've never caught a gold eye. Yeah. Both of those are in Minnesota. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, we have yeah. those. I haven't, I haven't caught a yellow bass yet. I need to oh, yeah. head south and knock that. Yeah, those look like something Fairmont that would train. be cool to be in an aquarium. They might not like yeah. it in an aquarium because I know they like to move a lot. But Yeah, they need a big aquarium. <laughs> I've, seen it, I've seen it done. I've seen it done. But, yeah, I don't have that kind of space yet. <laughs> yeah, you'd need like 200 or something, something to give For them a sure. little bit of room to because those yeah. things do not stop moving. No, they don't. They're also fantastic eating, too. I've fished those down in Fairmont several times. Yeah, I've heard that. I've seen some, uh, again, across my feet. I know uh, MT Michael Thompson was down there putting the hurting on them not too long ago. Yeah. Keeping a yeah. big bucket of them. So um, much fun. Yeah, they look like if you really get in them, it's just pretty fast action. Oh, it's yeah, it's lights out for sure. And do we, do does Minnesota have the orange spotted sunfish? Yeah. Like in the oh, extreme southern time. part of the... Is it southeast uh, or where do you find they're them? In, they're in southeast and southwest Minnesota. Okay, um, they're in the cities. They're over by Hutchinson. Like they're kind of they're kind of all over. They they're more of like a um they like to be in river systems, but they don't like flow. So they're kind of those backwater they're backwater creatures. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and they're typically in really muddy water, which is seemingly hmm. ironic for how flashy and beautiful yeah, they are. Yeah, for sure. Well, even pumpkin seeds, right? I've always said yeah. like. If we didn't have pumpkin seeds here, then you just didn't like grow up catching them and and whatever. Like if you saw those for the first time in an aquarium store, you'd be like, "I'm buying those." Yeah, like, yeah. Show me, show me another fish that's like that that exactly. has colors like that. Like that that that's on the same level as a lot of like tropical fish, like saltwater tropical fish. Like, yeah, they're absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, and and uh, uh, like. A spawning male orange spot will just blow a pumpkin seed out of the water. I know, yeah. I've only ever seen, like, pictures. I've never held them in hands. It'd be so crazy. It's just, and the natural, when you get natural sunlight on them, it's just, man, I'm speechless. It's so amazing. That's cool. And long ears, too. Spawning, like, spawning long ears. They get blue. Like, dude. 
Yeah. It's like little get, blue I mean, lightning little things on their ear or yep. whatever. God, yeah. So I've, dope. I've caught long ears in Texas actually. And, uh, there's, there's been some work to try to split the long ears out. Cause they, I mean, they cover a pretty wide range down in Southern United States and like the ones in the Ozarks get nice, like a deep electric red combined with like an electric blue. It's just, it's yeah. I think the ones I caught were in Michigan actually. Oh yeah. So like uh Northern sunfish. Mm-hmm. Yep. I've caught those in Minnesota too. Um, yeah, they're just, they're so beautiful. God. Just great. There's a whole wide, wide world of fish out there, people. <laughs> it, there is, and I, my friends can attest to this. I can go on for days about what's out there. It's just oh, it's, same. I, this is yeah. a rabbit hole. I li- I don't go down. I live in this hole. This is like yeah. <laughs> this is where my brain goes. You know, there's there's more to life than just walleyes and crappies out there, boys. I'm talking yeah. to you, Flotty. He'll probably never <laughs> listen to this, but that's all he cares. He cares about four things. Walleyes, crappies, snow geese, and turkeys. That's it. <laughs> not, I don't even think turkeys are that high on the list, honestly. Right. <laughs> yeah. He's a weird dude, but I like him. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah, so what are some goals for you? What do you still have to scratch off here in Minnesota, at least? I got to get some of the red horse, like black red horse, the greater red horse. I want to do some of those. Um, I've never caught a white fish. And so, like a, a lake white fish, I've caught plenty of Cisco, but I've never caught a lake white fish. And Tulby and Cisco, same thing. That they are. Yeah, okay, that's what I thought. Okay. Yeah, yep. I don't think I've caught white fish either. I've got Tulbys, but not. Yeah. No white fish. And so that's on my list. There's a bunch of stuff along the North Shore that are like micros that I want to do. Like, there's things called trout perch and um, different darters, like gilt darters and pearl dace and. Um, there's some sticklebacks up in Grand Marais that I, uh, I've caught one of them, but not there's three spine, nine spine, I think. And then Brooks stickleback and nine, nine spine are the ones that I haven't caught yet. Mm. And so what are they, are uh, you using bait for those? Yeah. So like, I mean, you can catch any micro essentially with a piece of worm. Okay. And so actually my wife has composting worms, which are the perfect size. Those little tiny red ones. Yeah. Much. Yeah. That was a very, I was ecstatic to hear that she wanted to get some of those because not only is that a great source of uh, a bait, but also it feeds my fish sometimes. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so that's, that's awesome. Yeah. I was thinking about that earlier when you touched on it because I was going off, of, uh, like when I did my little snorkeling thing in the river, it, you know, the current the current's there. Like you're using such light tackle and in current, like how the hell does that work? Yeah. So usually like a split shot is uh, a well-placed split shot is is your savior. Um, you place it too high up and your bait's waving around too much. You place it too far down and the fish are going to think about it. It's kind of, it's especially plays into a role like with darters. Darters can be notoriously difficult because they like to hide underneath rocks and stuff like that. And so uh, there's been times where my legs are just sore because I'm just standing in the current and just watching. Watching is half the battle because you want to see where these fish are hanging out. You'll see them dart out and to grab a piece of whatever is flowing down the stream and so you figure out where they're hiding and then you kind of just drift your worm through or you place your split shot up just a little bit higher so the worm kind of wiggles in the current and you just kind of set it in front of wherever they're hiding that kind of stuff um but it's pretty simple as far as tackle because it's just i mean i used to use half of a fly rod just to um, get the get the line out there before i had my 10 foot telescopic rod so like how are you even detecting that bite a 10 foot rod like you're not it's i mean it's all sight 
for the most part. You got to just, you're watching very closely. Um, From 10 feet away and moving yeah, water? Yeah, clear water, yeah. <laughs> oh, I mean, it's some, it's, it's some, you got to hone in your skills. I mean, there's guys that, uh, they call it darter vision. When you just start hmm. sitting there and all of a sudden you can kind of just see the stream come to life. Like, I bet. You see the micro habitats within the larger habitat. You figure out why this fish is here and this fish is here and this fish is not there kind of thing. And so you got to figure out that that's like one of the things that um, really got me into micro fishing was you're really breaking down larger habitat and you're looking at those micro habitats. And I'm by no means like, I mean, I guys have been micro fishing for quite a while and it's, I had seen them on social media and stuff like that of guys posting pictures, but I didn't start doing it till like, I think 2018 when some guys from Nebraska that we just met on social media and we're like, Hey, let's go fish for Plains top minnow, or let's go fish for orange throated darters. And, um, so it's like, it's just, it's finding that micro habitat, getting that, uh, a lot of the fish too will slowly become comfortable if you're not sitting there thrashing around in the mm-hmm. creek. So, it's, well, uh, even some of those I've found, like, again, at the cabin where we just jump around and we swim, I've found that when you disturb the bottom, that that they actually start coming up to you. Yeah, They're, especially, like, minnows and shiners. Boy, they you, you rustle up the bottom, you're pulling up bugs and debris, mm-hmm. and those fish, it's just like a mob scene. I mean, yeah, they'll swarm you. Yeah, and, I mean, there's other fish, too, that are super curious. Like, I've had creek chubs and common shiners come right up to me when I'm sitting underwater and... I mean, everybody's got their own personality. Yeah, that's it's pretty. Uh, it's pretty wild. They should make a documentary. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They have. The one guy made a, a mini one from east. Yeah, cameras and that'd be pretty dope. Now you mentioned southeast. Are you talking southeast United States or southeast Minnesota? Yeah. Okay. Is... Well, kind of both, but yeah, a lot of the southeast part of the United States has some of the highest diversity of those of darter, shiners, all that kind of stuff, really? sculpting and stuff. So that's like where the shoal bass and stuff down there live. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's there's all kinds of different black bass. It's just there's tons of them. Yeah, there's like these really weird like sub populations of what yep. on the surface just look like smallmouth or yeah. maybe spotted spotted bass but they're actually you know they all like said the shoal bass and as they're like a i can't remember there's there's a few different there's, names for them i mean there's shoal bass there's bartram's bass there's like there's oh man kusas red eyes there's there's so many different types and i mean a lot of those don't get very big because of the systems they live mm-hmm. in aren't very big either so. yeah they're, they're usually cool. all streams yeah yeah guadalupe bass guadalupe, that's, that, one. that's the one i was trying to think of yeah, I'm hoping I have a wedding to go to in Texas, and uh, in uh, I think late fall. I think it's late fall. Maybe it's early winter. Regardless, I'm really hoping. I've been been down to Texas a few times just because I have family down there. But I think I've got a spot honed in to catch some Guadalupe bass, and I I hope to catch one really bad. I'm hooking line to be so cool. Where is that? Like, what's what part of the state? Because Texas so is kind of like <laughs> yeah, no, it is kind of like uh, central. So like, let me think here. Um, so my uncle has some land near, um, uh, I think it's called Kilkenny, Texas. Okay. I think that's, um, and so like down there, I mean, I've caught long ears down there. Um, I've caught, uh, black stripe top minnow, um, Texan tetras near Salado, Texas. That was really cool. I'm sitting there standing in the middle of a, uh, in the middle of a stream and 
some guy is like, oh, are you fishing catfish? And in my head, I'm like, dude, it's like eight inches of water here. Like, <laughs> or Killeen, Killeen, not Kilkenny. Okay, yeah, Killeen is the name of the um, the town. But Copper's Cove, too, in that area. So there's some Lampasas kind of area um, is where my uncle has some land. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's just another thing, too. Like, the guy's like, what are you doing? I was like, ah, oh, I mean, I'm fishing Texan Tetras. And he's like you're what now and so i caught one and showed it to him and he's like oh i never knew that existed oh, down, like, there yeah. by, down there by uh waco between waco yeah. and austin yeah yeah so and i mean there's there's a texas cichlids too like in austin houston area so That's there's all kinds cool. of crazy stuff i have like when i uh look at google maps it's just like all pins. I have so many pins across the country. <laughs> do you find it's like see a picture of a fish you don't know what it is? You're like, what is that? And then you just do the deep dive. Like, Pretty much. I need yeah. to know where this is found. Yep. I'm in uh like I have group chats with several buddies and one guy was like, Oh, I found this on blah 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 and so we're all like Googling things and my one buddy's in Costa Rica right now. He's like, Oh, I caught this and I'm like, What the heck is that? So like we're all sitting there trying to figure it out and Saltwater or freshwater, doesn't matter. Yeah, uh, that's pretty cool. I, I kind of do the same thing. If I go like saltwater fishing, it's like I take a picture of everything and then research what the hell I just caught. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but then, like, again, going into like the um, like mosquito fish, those are gonna be yeah. like killifish. There's some really yep. ornate killifish in, in the world. Like, holy smokes. Yeah. Yeah. That's a huge, huge category of fish. There's yeah. so many kinds. I mean, like, there's kinds in uh, Africa that are called annual killifish, and they literally, I mean, they, like, live in an elephant footprint, essentially. That's crazy. <laughs> it's so wild. There's just, it's so, there's so many things out there that I'm just like, I don't live long enough for all no, this I was just, just going to say, we need to live multiple lifetimes to yeah. check off every list, you know, every everything you could possibly catch, like, be absolutely impossible. Man, yeah. this has been a ton of fun, dude. I could go on for hours uh, yeah <laughs> hours but we're gonna have to we're gonna have to get together and spend some uh, water time i think and uh yeah Heck chase yeah. after i'll dip my i'll dip my toes in the uh the old uh micro fishing category that'd be that'd be kind of fun yeah yeah just let me know i got we can we can get it done yeah that'd be tons of fun and i would really like to if anything else if i get a weekend and time to head out more me more than a weekend head out to the bighorns there at uh yeah welcome to come along or at least give me the hot tip oh yeah i've helped multiple <laughs> people get their uh first railing so yeah, i'm I, more than down yeah i i am so overdue for a <laughs> mountain camp camping trip i just need to see those stars too that's the other thing just to spend the night up there would be oh yeah pretty damn epic it's yeah i mean i get chills just thinking about it yeah it's yeah it needs to happen so we'll 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 keep it we will keep it to that so i don't know like you were just a dude that i talked to or ran into uh i don't even know do you have like a youtube channel do you do any of that or is it you just yeah i so i mean i have a youtube channel but i don't really it's more so i just make random videos that are memories for me to look back on like i've made several spearing videos and some random aquarium videos but i would say like my instagram is is probably something that i post the most on okay and uh my handle is the rough fisherman. The I don't think I follow you on Instagram. I got you on Facebook, but yeah, let me look so, that up here. At I the rough fisher. Is there any underscores or anything like that? Oh, nope. There you are, nope. right there. Boom. 
Yep, there's all kinds of fun stuff on there, reels and cool pictures of fish that people don't often see. So following, that's dope. I'm super excited. Oh, there's an orange spotted sunfish. Get out of here! Yeah. <laughs> they're so cool. They're just they're so electric. I love it. Oh my god, those are so badass. Well, dude, I will be definitely following along on Instagram. That's cool, <laughs> and we need yeah. to make it a plan to get out and and uh, share some water time too. It's, it's we're too similar. In our thought processes, not to. Yeah, I agree. It's maybe. it's always fun meeting like-minded individuals. Yeah, well, maybe we'll even invite Patrick. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he'll probably as soon as he hears this, he'll be calling me. So, <laughs> that's pretty awesome. All right, Tony, I want to let you go. This was awesome. Yeah, I really appreciate the uh, the time. It's been a fantastic uh, experience talking. Yeah, this will be fun. We'll do it over beers. Then we'll, yeah, really, we'll really get the info. Um, but oh, yeah. oh, I do have that thing I want to talk to you about yes. once I press stop, which I'm going to do right now. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. I'm going to leave. I'll put my little tagline on here. So whatever your passion, that includes catching minnows while people look at you oddly, pursue it full scale. After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, if we've learned anything, it's that there's always a catch. So when I heard that Mint Mobile wireless plans are $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan, I thought, what's the catch? But after talking to them, it all made sense. There isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they sell wireless service online. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly to you. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash waypoint. That's mintmobile.com slash waypoint. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash waypoint. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details.